Welcome to the Manager Tools Members Only Podcast. Today's topic, how to pre-wire a meeting. Hi everyone, this is Mike and welcome back to Manager Tools. Let's imagine you have a meeting coming up. Not only do you need to make a presentation, you need to make a presentation to your boss's boss. Maybe not only do you need to present to your boss's boss, but also to all her directs at her next staff meeting. Well, how do you prepare for that? How do you ensure that you don't walk across any landmines during the presentation? What can you do now to make that presentation a slam dunk? Well, listen up, folks. In this members-only cast, with obvious links to our weekly podcast discussion on persuasion that we've been doing, we're going to show you how. Here we go. Yeah, I think this week we were going to talk about pre-wiring meetings, but before we do, maybe you can you could explain what pre-wire means because I, I'm always yeah. surprised about the number of people who who've never even heard that term before. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, it, it may very well be that that it's like uh, that somebody actually knows the answer. There's a, there's a rationale for it. I, I think uh, I think on a previous cast, I, I told the story of foils. There are people all across the country that don't know that that uh, when people used to do before PowerPoint really came along, and even after PowerPoint to some degree, um, when people did slides, and, and now really, I, wouldn't you agree that people don't even, call about, don't even talk about slides anymore, they talk about decks? Yeah, decks. Right, at least in the technology world. It's not even, you don't even talk about your slides, you talk about decks, um, which is nothing more than a stack of slides. Yeah. And the bigger bigger the deck, the, the dumber the idea is, surely. Um, but but uh, people did not know, they wondered why transparencies um, were called foils because um, they weren't made out of foil. Well, of course, it's because transparencies in French is spelled, I, I believe it's spelled F-E-U-I-L-L-E-S, pronounced foils. Um, and so it wasn't so much aluminum foil as it was the French word for transparency, which was foil. Well, I, I um, thought it was always because the presentations are where all my initiatives got foiled. Foiled? <laughs> I never thought of that one. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was a personal comment about my ability to persuade, yeah. but I it's guess really not. All, it, it's really all about you, partner. I, I feel better you. now. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um the pre-wire I, now. I'm I'm going to pause. I'm going to make a supposition, but but I uh, it's completely. I'm just pulling it out of the air that um, if someone does a great presentation or the presentation goes well, someone would say they had it wired, right? And the way you actually have something wired is you do so in advance, and I think that's where the pre-wire came from. Um, that, I, I, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. It just happens to be a name that a lot of people in the business world use to describe the process that we're going to describe, we're going to talk about, which is um, talking to people whom you're going to present to before you actually present to them. Um, and and I suspect, partner, that there are people in the audience right now that don't that, that they are thinking to themselves, what? Talk to people before. What's the point of the presentation? I mean, aren't we all <laughs> professionals? Can't we? Can I just present my idea and have a discussion about it? I mean, aren't we? Aren't we collaborative? Aren't we? Aren't we open to feedback and so on? Yeah, well, come over here, grasshopper. <laughs> I have some things to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, so okay. So we're gonna talk about pre-wiring presentations. Yes. So let's let's set the stage a little bit. I think a lot of folks don't have. A lot of issues. Some do, but a lot. I feel very comfortable briefing their boss. So let's make it a little right. harder than that. Let's, yes. let's let's say that, but you have to present not to your boss, but to your boss's boss and her directs. Yeah, and I think that makes a big difference. There was a question um, in the forums that got me thinking about this that really made me aware of the issue. Uh, I, I misunderstood the question, and the way it came out was was confusing and so on. Uh, and I, I suddenly realized that they weren't really talking about briefing their boss, which to me seemed, well, how hard is that? You're going to have a staff meeting. You're going to have one-on-ones. You ought to know your boss exceptionally well. There ought to be clarity around what the purpose is and so on. Um, but briefing the boss's boss is... Is very different. Um, 
your boss, uh, if you're listening to this, your boss has not told you everything she knows about her boss. Let's just be honest about that. And you haven't told your directs everything you know about your boss. So you might think, well, I know my boss and I know my directs and I'm between them and everything seems okay. So therefore my directs know what I know. Well, that's just plain crazy talk because <laughs> your, your, your directs, I mean, you go one level above your boss and to your directs, that person is probably echelons above reality. They're like, wow, I, I don't even want that person near me. Um, unless they're just a hopelessly upwardly vertical climber of the, of the organizational structure. Um, yeah, w- what we're talking about here is, is not just the concept of having to persuade or discuss with, um, other people in the organization, we're actually talking about making a presentation to your boss's boss. And, and probably the way that's going to happen, if you're a skip, right? Because your boss's boss, that makes you her skip. Um, what we're talking about here is pre- the most likely place that's going to happen is in uh, her or his staff meeting. And so we, we want to create... Um, a specific venue, if you will, to do this. There are a lot of things. The fundamental proof that we're the fundamental topic here, the fundamental idea about about airing your your ideas in advance um, and spending time being willing to compromise and collaborate is the sixty four thousand dollar point, and it applies whether you're briefing in a present, whether you're presenting in a in a meeting or not. Um, if you're going to get your ideas used in, in today's organization, you're going to have to have multiple people agreeing with you. And usually what that means is collaboration and compromise. Um, so, so we don't want to say that these ideas only work when you're briefing your boss's boss. In other words, when you're a skip. Um, but we want to provide a specific venue so that we can give some, put some meat around the concept and explain a how-to about how to engage these, these ideas in a particular venue, which is, again, briefing your boss's boss. Usually, it's going to happen about 75% of the time that's going to happen in a staff meeting. Or, now look, let's be clear though. I, I think, I think another point you were, you were alluding to is what if it's just you and your boss's boss and a desk side brief? Same thing applies. That boss's boss is thinking about what all of her directs is thinking, are, are thinking about. And so you better have those people on board as well. Um, but for the purpose of this cast, we're giving you one particular venue, which is uh, briefing your boss's boss and, the pre-wire is designed to help you go from the point at which you know you have to make that briefing all the way through to the briefing actually being called a slam dunk. Good. Okay. And in Good. a true manager tools fashion, let's get right to it. Um, we have a couple of introduction points we're going to cover, and then we're going to talk about some key steps. We're going to talk about the, actually the process of how to pre-wire a meeting. Yes. Um, we actually have four introductory points. And they are know your time limit, know the layout, uh, one slide for every five minutes, and go for a slam dunk, which is, uh, okay, it's not a baseball analogy, it's a basketball analogy, but it still works. And it's an important one to be thinking about. And then um, we actually have <laughs> we have eight key steps. I think there ought to be a rule that if you have more than five, they're probably not key steps. We could probably organize these differently. But we actually have eight, and they are know your key message. Prep your slides, then brief your boss, then request time from other attendees of the meeting, brief those attendees, rebrief your boss, finalize your slides, and rehearse. And I'll tell you, um, if I could just get everyone to rehearse, we'd be much better off. I'm amazed at the people who are, don't don't rehearse. And that's part of the reason the rehearsal being powerful is why the knowing the layout of the room is, is very, very important. And then we also, I think we have two closeout comments. We do, we have two closeout comments, which is uh, the first one is your, your goal is no surprises. And, and the, the, um, what, what you're there to do is to get agreement. Yep. Okay. Good. Okay. All right, so let's t- let's talk about our introduction points. Uh, uh, know your time limit. Yeah, you know this is a funny one. Um, I, I missed this one when I gave uh, this guidance when I was coaching individual managers and executives, and uh, c- caught myself in a, in a bit of a, a pinch where where I just assumed that someone knew. And, and here's how it happens: people come to me or no, come don't to even a tell boss. me. I, I, and, and, and folks, this is not in the show notes. So, um, yeah, okay, but, but yeah. Somebody was briefing 
your boss, one of your sports was briefing one of your bosses or your boss, and they walked in, and the, the boss's staff meeting's an hour, and the person walked in and assumed they had an entire hour to brief. That's right. <laughs> hmm, I wonder how I knew that. You, sir, are the center of the universe. We, all of us senior people, are going to just fawn over you or or not for the next hour um, because we can afford to spend that amount of time in our staff meeting. Um, because really, if you're going to spend your entire staff meeting on one topic, the person who's most likely to lead that discussion is either the person who's leading the staff meeting or one or two of her most important direct reports. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So look. You, when somebody says, hey, listen, you need to go brief the boss. When your boss says to you, hey, you need to go brief the boss, meaning her boss, um, the first question you should ask is, okay, how much time do I have? Now, look, there are people who will tell you, no, 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 no. You should know, well, you know what the purpose is, what your goal is. Actually, no. No, because if you're told the purpose first, um, you, you will tend to then build something for that purpose. The worst thing in the world, if you correctly get to your purpose in a briefing that takes 30 minutes when you only were supposed to have 10, you've shot yourself in the foot. Maybe you haven't shot yourself in the head, but you've shot yourself in the foot. Yeah, okay? because your, your punchline, which you saved toward the end, which was... Not not too smart to begin with, but let's say you did that. You, didn't, you never got to it because your first you never three points it. were weak and they cut you off at 10 minutes. Yeah, that's right. And now look, if in 10 minutes you've done a credible briefing, a creditable briefing, but you haven't gotten there yet, you might get five more minutes. But if you, but, but if you take 30 minutes, if you think you have 30 minutes, uh, um, no, you, you're, it, it's never going to happen. So you start with the time limit because let me assure you, that's what the senior people in that meeting are thinking about. They are all thinking about time. The primary white noise in most of these people's heads is this meeting always runs too long and we never get anything done. It's the rare exception in the meeting that is well run. Yeah. And it's the, re it's the, it's the only resource in that meeting that y you have no control over. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so know your time limit and look, don't be surprised. I, 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 I was caught flat footed when a couple of people said, Oh, well, I, I think I have an hour. And I'm like, what are you, what are you smoking? What you think you have an hour for the EVP staff meeting? They don't spend an hour on strategy, <laughs> let, let alone an ancillary purchase like what they've been trusted to you. Yeah. Which is um, where to locate the uh, coffee pot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, coffee's important, but really, um, so so you've got to know the time limit, and and if you're thinking that you're being cut off at 15 minutes, again, we have to ask, what are you smoking? It, you're not being cut off. In fact, Mike, wouldn't you agree? If you're given 15 minutes, that's actually a sign that this is pretty big, and we're being generous. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, five minutes is is not unusual. Um, but 15 minutes is, wow, you know, gosh, and, that's and a, if, you, if you're given 30 seconds, that's another sign, but yeah, that's we'll a, that in a different yeah, cast. Yeah. Okay. So, Whole separate cast on that. All right. So, yeah. so we, we, so we know our time limit, so we can, right. we can plan the rest of what we're going to do. So, okay. Now, now yeah. our next, so let me, I'll, let me, I'll, let me, before we go on, let me just make it real clear. You might get as little as five or as much as 15 minutes. You may in fact get more, but the first question you have to ask is boss, how much time do I have? And then the point we're making is related to that is don't get your feelings hurt if they say five, say five or 10 minutes. That's not a reflection on you. That's a reflection on every person who's gone before you as well as you, which is people don't get half hour and 45 minute blocks. And quite frankly, you don't want that because you'll get sloppy. Good. I, I should have given you a time limit on your talking about yeah, time sorry. limit. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, sorry. We, we've, we've got the, we've, we've got the, we know our time limit. Now the next, the yeah. next one's interesting, which is know your layout. Why is that important? Uh, I, I'll tell you, most people, again, this is another one that I took for granted. Okay, right. You have to present your manager, your director, your an executive. You know this, right? That if you're going to present, the physicality of your presentation actually makes a difference. People are like, well, you know. I, in fact, when I say presentation, I would argue that if there was a Rorschach managerial intelligence test, on the word presentations or word association, 90% of the people that are hearing us right now would say slides. Uh, and maybe they would say deck, but, but they would think slides. And, and we, we could talk about PowerPoint for hours and, and we will, 
Um, and I think we already have, and we'll do more, but, but, um, it's amazing to me how, how derivative thinking is that people hear presentation and they go right to slides. I mean, they've got a picture of a PowerPoint in their head. Um, um, layout is one of those things that you, you know, you're going to actually have to present, you know, you're going to physically present, e even if there's a teleconference going on associated with it, or a video conference, you're going to be presenting. Um, and that means often standing up. And I, I am amazed at the number of people who don't realize that meeting rooms that were intended for meetings, um, as opposed to presentations, often are not conducive at all to presentations. They're designed for people to meet in. And, and that means chairs and tables. And that means not necessarily unlimited walking around space and so on. Um, you know, I, I have, I have some rules I apply to the physical, physical space I present in when I'm presenting to larger audiences, 50 or 100 or whatever. And it's usually pretty expansive. The room is pretty big. Part of that is for heat dispersion, but, but, um, but, most people end up standing up in a room that was not intended for them to be standing up and presenting to. Um, and, and they are uncomfortable. They are not 100% comfortable with their own presentation skills. And they have a couple of trips or inadvertent bumps against a, 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 a slide or a projector or, or a flip chart or somebody's chair or moving from the left side to the right side of the table or what have you. And, and it, it flusters them and yeah. the fluster carries over into the content and therefore the credibility of their presentation. Right. And, and I, so, I don't want to make too, too fine a point of this, but sometimes when you're nervous going to these kind of briefings, the, the key is to eliminate problems versus creating excellence. If, if you know, or yeah, get, get that's a great way to at. put it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I'm almost tempted in some cases to say, okay, I know that it's going to be in this conference room. Can I move the conference room tailor table eight inches south because I'm going to be at the north end of it? I've done that before. Even if it's a table for 20, I'll get a couple of you guys say, hey, can we move the table? You help me move the table. Why do I move the table? Oh, I'm giving a presentation. I don't want to trip. Oh, cool. Smart idea. <laughs> That's yeah, really right. good. Just so that there's room for me. So when I move from the left to the right side of the table, that I'm not sucking in my gut so I can scoot around the table. Because if you're just standing on one side of the table, and if you're limited, if suddenly you're in a very small box, you're affecting the delivery of your ideas, which affects people's ability to hear and understand and like your ideas. Right. So you've yeah, got to know the layout. Yeah, and you're nervous enough when you go in there, you don't want to be, be discovering the layout the first time exactly. you know, as you walk yeah. into the meeting room. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and and somebody said to me once, well, what happens if they move the meeting? Well, okay, fine, it happens. But don't tell me that that's a reason not to prepare by going to the place <laughs> it's most option. likely yeah. going to be, right? Yeah. I, I love those kind of questions. They're, they're great. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? Those, those are the kind of questions that prove I really don't want to change, and I can come up with a reason why I don't like your new idea. And that's okay. We respect that. They're wrong, but we, we respect we, it. No, we don't. We don't respect that. <laughs> who, are you, who are you kidding? <laughs> okay. We respect the person. We disagree with the idea. We respect the person, and we think the idea is idiotic. Yes. <laughs> okay, next the one. The dark mic. Okay. So the spike mic. Yes. Okay. All right. Now, the, the, the next one. Now, this, I, I, this one is important to me because I, I can't tell you the number of Presentations I've gone into where somebody literally has thirty minutes and and they have a deck that is, is one hundred and fifty slides, which yeah, is just sure they do ridiculous. And so we're we're saying one slide per five minutes, which will blow most people's minds away, probably. Yeah, that's not a typo. When you get the show notes, those of you who are premium content subscribers, it's not a typo. It doesn't say ten slide per five minutes. It says one slide per five minutes. So, so yeah, that means if you're about speaking for thirty minutes, you have six slides. Yeah, wow. I, the, the yeah, that's all. Oh gosh, I I give thirty minute presentations with three slides, um, and that doesn't include the that that includes the title slide. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I think that if people will see slides, and again we talk, we'll talk for days and days and days in the coming years about about PowerPoint, but but if you see PowerPoint as the skeletal framework of a larger body of persuasion, um you begin to realize that you're not trying to put everything up there. And when you have a 150-slide deck, 
you either are teaching a college course in 30 minutes, which just, I'm sorry, it just proves that if you try to do that, it proves you're not very smart. And so you have very low credibility in terms of expertise and knowledge. Um, or you're trying to tell us everything you know, which essentially invalidates the reason that you would be presenting, which is we expect you to be smart enough to know what it is we need to know that are the key drivers of this decision. We don't need to or want, good Lord, we don't want to know everything. We're paying you to know everything. And then we get to feel good when you're right by saying, okay, you get promoted. But if you're always telling us everything, at some point, we're just going to hire a research assistant and pay them less money than you. So yeah, one slide for every five minutes. If you're presenting for 15 minutes, please have no more than three slides. Let me, let me be blunt. You are not the one person in the world who has such important things to say that you need eight. How bad is it? I know people who are given 15 minutes and have 77 slides. You've seen that. Now, I've yeah. seen it. I actually told someone in the audience because I had to step out. Please count for me how many slides he has. Count. And, and they chuckled. They came back and said, I stopped at 77. So technically, I've never seen 77 because I had to walk out and then come back in. And there was actually more than 77, but they stopped counting at 77. Imagine being a manager and being asked by a friend of yours. This guy, the guy I asked was a friend of mine uh, that I had known for a while. Uh, to count slides. Why do you stop counting at 77? In a 15-minute presentation now, why do you stop counting at 77 and not at 43 or 19 or, or 51? You go all the way to 77 and you say, well, okay, that's probably enough. He doesn't need to, to, to know how actual, how many their slides are actually. No, worth. There, there's yeah. a, a law of physics that if you're in a presentation and there's 78 slides, your head explodes. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have to stop at 77. Know. Yeah. One slide for every five minutes. The, the, the process of getting your, your presentation down to one slide for every five minutes is a powerful and helpful one because probably if you're briefing two levels up, they don't care about every detail that you know. You may think they do, they may ask you periodically, but they don't want to know every detail you know, and they're going to rely on you to make value judgments about which details are most important. If you can't make those value judgments, you're not smart enough to be in the presentation, Yeah, and if period. you can't talk now, without it, slides or notes for five minutes, then you don't know, you know your material you, well exactly, enough. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. You don't know your material well enough. Exactly right. And, and and by the way, you accept some risk. You're saying, well, Marcus, it would be better if I had 77 because then they would at least have them as a handout and, and they would know why I chose A versus B. And if they knew everything I knew, they would know. Yeah, you're right. You, we are essentially saying that in the interest of the human being, the fact that you're communicating to human beings who deal with different factors and different levels of information than you do, whether they're up or down doesn't really matter. The fact that they're different and you're trying to communicate persuasively to them means that uh, you have to be intelligent about how you communicate. Right. If you do that poorly, we believe that that's insight into how good you'll be when you get to our level. Yes, there's risk. You could choose the wrong stuff. That's part of our point. We would rather you accept some risk in terms of what you choose to present and how long you present, rather than us accept the risk of taking an hour to hear everything you have to say, and then all of the executives in this at this table losing an hour. Skips don't realize how expensive those meetings are in terms of or the, the organizational cost, uh, opportunity cost of all those executives doing nothing else but listening to somebody talk for 45 minutes because they have 70 slides. Have we beat this horse enough? And so. the next point then... Is go for the slam dunk. Yeah, what, this is. Um, yeah, it's a. It's probably a silly analogy. I know that basketball is not as widely followed as say football. That is to say, soccer. Um, uh, but but uh, it, the American expression "slam dunk" essentially means it, 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 it's a resounding, clear win. That it's a it's a it's an exclamation point of "Wow, that was done well." He got the two points, but you get two points with a jump or two. But a slam dunk says a little bit more in your face. It was done so well. It was done so perfectly. There was no opposition. It was just immediate and obvious and quick. Um, here's the the reason why we <clears throat> we use this analogy though. 
too many people sitting in meetings, uh, particularly if you're a skip and your, your peer skip is presenting, you see a meeting that happens or a presentation that happens and it feels like a slam dunk to you. All the people in the room go, wow, that was great. Super job, Bob, way to go. Or, hey, Jane, nice work. Really excited about what you talked about. We're totally on board with all that. Uh, and we talk about that in the end. We talk about the goal is no surprises and to get agreement. But here is the scary part of the slam dunk. People then use the post hoc ergo propter hoc logic or fallacy and say, what did I see in their presentation that caused that to be a slam dunk? And of course, the key point here is they're looking in the wrong place, right? The, the place where the slam dunk happens is in the pre-wire work in advance. The reason you're going, we say go for a slam dunk in the introductory points is because the only way you can get a slam dunk where there are no disagreements and everyone agrees uh, and there's no surprises from the audience, the only way you can do that is in the pre-wire. So we say that as an introductory thing to help people understand that if you've ever seen a slam dunk briefing, that briefing was a slam dunk long before it ever started. It wasn't just verbally persuasive. It wasn't just smooth. It wasn't just effortless. It wasn't just rehearsed 50 times. It was done long in advance before the curtain went up. And so going for a slam dunk means dotting your I's and crossing your T's, go, going out and doing your pre-wire work to the point where even if, if you don't get strong collaboration or, or compromise or agreement or coherence around something, you go back and you iterate the pre-wire process again to make sure that you have a chance at a slam dunk. Right. I've seen meetings prepared, having been prepared so well for that the meeting got canceled and the person who was going to present at that staff meeting had done such good work on the pre-wiring that they were told, eh, no need to meet. We know what the decision, we know what your recommendation was. Don't yeah. Deal. You don't even have to present. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's good. And yet, interestingly, for the audience, for, for the observer, they're like, oh, he didn't get a chance to present. Boy, that may not be good for his career. When all the executives are like, wow. He did so well. He's so good. We can trust him so much. He doesn't need to waste our time sitting in a meeting briefing us. The briefing is the window dressing. Well, window dressing is nice, but window dressing is about making what's in the window look good. Right. right? It's the substance. It's the collaboration. It's the coherence. It's the agreement. It's the cohesion that makes a difference. And that happens before the curtain goes up. Yeah. All the work is done before the meeting even takes place, before people even step yep. into the room. Yep. Okay, so how do you do that? Let's talk about what are the steps you take to pre-wire a meeting so that it's that good. Okay, good. The first one is to know your key message or put a little bit differently, know your key ask, which is to say, what what question do you want an answer to? Is it a budget dollar amount? Is it is it a, a restructure and who's going to work for whom? Is it a strategic, uh, is it a change in strategic objectives, the priority of strategic objectives, you know, to move A in front of B in front of A or what have you? Know that specifically. Now, Note, that is the first key step, but it still came after our introductory comment about time limit. Because if you have a big concept, but you, and you think, boy, this is big, I've got a lot of stuff to tell them about, that's great. But if you violate your time limit, you will not be considered successful. So, Again, remember you st you're working within your time limit. If you've been given 15 minutes, it doesn't it doesn't matter if the goal is world peace. You still get 15 minutes because one of the things about executive meetings is we're protective. Of, ideally, well-run executive meetings are are a function of protecting executives' time. So you must know what the key message is. Now, here's how this takes place. A bo your boss comes back from a meeting with her boss and she says, hey, they need an update on X. Look, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that is just the most misleading thing you will ever be told in your life if you're a skip, right? Don't yes, you agree? I agree. Yeah, it's like, oh, by the way, here, will you chomp off your arm and feed it to this lion? He doesn't want anything more than just your arm. He won't be hungry for the rest of you if you give him your arm. No. 
No, nobody wants an update on anything. There is a decision to be made, an insight to be gained, and you, if you think you're making an update, believe me, you're missing the subtext. So when you get told that you want an update, the or when you get told that you're supposed to give an update, or hey, they want a briefing on X, or hey, can you share with us a little bit about Project Y that you're working on, or you know, I think it'd be good to give everybody a heads up about that. These are all soft words for something is in play mister you better pay attention and the first question you ask back the first word in your head when you hear these these phrases I just use is wait now I'm not saying I'm not saying you go to your boss and say wait okay <laughs> but the first word in your head is wait and, and, and that should stop you enough to go what is it do they want and you say hey what's my key message or what are they expecting me to ask what's the decision or what's the issue? Now, it's possible your boss doesn't exactly know. I've seen bosses hand their their directs a, a, a bucket of muck because like, oh, no, really, they just want an update. I just want to shake my head and say, how did you get to the role you're in? Well, um, no. or, or the boss is really smart that they haven't figured it out. So they say, well, I'm not briefing that. <laughs> oh, 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 that's do nice. <laughs> that's nice. I don't want to go, so I'll send two of my guys. They're about equal to me as a meal. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know the lion's going to eat somebody. Just think it's yeah. me. <laughs> it's not going to be me. Uh, you go first. Change is hard. You go first. Yeah. So, um, so if you don't know what it is, you, you better work hard at figuring out what it is. Yeah. And, and, and if your boss doesn't know, it's not the end of the world to only have 75% of the solution and to discover the other 25% when you actually go through the pre-wire process that we're going to talk about. Okay. So. Make sure you ask, what specifically am I briefing on? What is the decision point? What is the issue? What am I asking for? And don't believe your boss when he or she says, oh, it's just an update. It's just a brief. They just they just want to be brought up to speed on things. Yeah. Because if it were just a brief, if they were just being brought up to speed, they would not ask you to take time talking to them in a meeting. They would say, send us an email. That's the way it would work. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So step two in this process, prep your slides. Yeah. Um, and, and there's probably a, what's, what's the word, uh, better. Well, um, it, there's nothing wrong with going right to prep your slides. We don't want to mislead people though, that slide prep it should take the place of really, really effective evaluation and objective to, and subjective decision making regarding what you're doing and how to be most persuasive. And we, we um, so when we say prep your slides, we're simply in a way pandering to the audience. We know that what you're going to do is go back to your desk and prep your slides. So what we're asking though is first know what that key message is. And if you've got that one slide per five minute rule and, and you know, um, what the time limit is and, 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 uh, you know, the goal is to get a slam dunk by doing the work in advance where we believe you'll be much more effective and efficient at preparing your slides as long again, as long as you see slides as that skeletal framework from which you build an entire body of, of, uh, persuasion around for, for your presentation. But, but our point is you don't start building your slides until after you're clear what your key message is. Uh, and you use that as a stalking horse or as a, as a straw man, whatever you want to talk about. You, you don't prepare your slides in any form other than a draft. In fact, I'm notorious for putting draft on everything, um, because things are always changing and that's okay. Um, so you prep your slides so that you will have something to talk about. You are not preparing your presentation. You are prepping your slides. Your presentation will only have been prepared when you've rehearsed it 50 times. And if it's 30 to 40% different than your slides, that's fine because you're going to have talked to the audience that's going to be listening to you. And you'd much rather tell the audience what they want to hear insofar as that's still ethical, obviously, than what you think they ought to know. Okay. Next, brief your boss. Oh, sure. Um, remember, we're talking about we're, we're a skip here, right? So your boss and her peers are the audience along with your boss's boss. So briefing your boss is simply the first person in the chain of attendees that you're going to pre-wire your briefing with. 
Your boss is probably most important because he or she is most likely to say, oh, we've got a glaring error here, or I really want you to change this, or I really want you to change that. Um, <clears throat> so we do them first. They'll be most willing to give us feedback. They'll be most willing to engage with us and catch us if we're really uh, off track. Yeah, and this, enough- is, this is not one of those opportunities where you get to prove how wrong your boss is and how smart you are. That's generally not a good yeah, strategy. Yeah, your boss will, if your boss is nice, they'll pat you politely on the head and say, okay, well, you, you may think whatever you want, but since you're going and talk to my peers, and every time one of my directs talks to my peers, I get feedback about how good or bad you are, um, guess what? We're going to do this a little bit of my way, and every once in a while, it's good to be king or queen, and that means, um, yeah, thanks for your input, and this is the way we're going to go. Um, here's the thing, though. In addition to briefing your boss first, because they'll be, you'll more likely to get important feedback, they're also going to give you feedback on the other people that you're going to be talking to, their peers, what their issues might be. So in addition to doing your standard uh, pre-wire brief, which we'll talk about in just a second with everybody, you also say, can you give me any guidance on each of the people I'll be talking to in terms of what their hot buttons are, what their issues are? You may very well know those things, but it wouldn't hurt to ask your boss again, just to be clear. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they're doing this with their boss, tend to want to impress their boss early on. Your boss doesn't want to be impressed early on. Your boss wants to be impressed when the boss, when his or her boss says, slam dunk. Yeah, and that means point. doing hard work now. Yeah, so briefing your boss is, that, that's, uh, it, it, it sounds one way, but it's really a two-way conversation there. Right, right. Good, okay. Now, th- our, next, our next point is to request time from the attendee. So I, I assume we're not here talking about Requesting their time to attend their boss's staff meeting. That's not right. Right. This is this is you. This is actually you asking for time and and, um, asking for time in advance of the staff meeting one to two weeks in advance um, in order to brief them on what you see as your draft presentation to get input in order to. Not to validate what you already have, but to include their thinking so that everybody is in agreement, allowing for a slam dunk during your presentation. You are not there to persuade them as much as you are to achieve a win. It's entirely possible that that will be a persuasive effort. No question about it. But I think a lot of times people believe what ends up happening is the slides, the deck drives the show. And that's not the case. What drives the show is your boss's boss and your boss and his peers. So your job in in requesting time for the attendees is is recognizing that they're the ones who are going to be having a lot more input than you are. And this comes out of the fact that people would just, they they would stop by. I, I, I found people who are stopping by and say, hey, listen, would you take a look at these couple of slides? And when people, if people say, hey, look, real quick, I want you to look at these slides in a couple for a couple of minutes. I'd want to know what they're going to use those slides for, because I'll tell you what, if you're looking for slides for a couple of minutes and then they say, oh, yeah, Joe looked at these and he's OK with them. Boy, you have just been handed a bag of you know what. Yeah. Don't yeah. do it. You cannot go to your boss's peers and say, hey, real quick, will you take a look at these? Real quick. I get like 100, 100 emails a day. I get five, 400 emails a day and like 50 of them have attachments. I'm sorry. A lot of executives don't even know how to open attachments. <laughs> now, you know, one, one, one point here I'd like to, to make on briefing the attendees is you know, that, that's why step one in our process is so important, knowing what your key message is. Yeah. Because you, you don't want to lose sight of the, the forest for the trees when you're, when you're talking to the other attendees, the peers of your boss. Keep focus on what the end what the end state is, what the end objective is, and be willing to trade off some minor points in return for achieving your objective. You're not suggesting that it's possible that they have different objectives and motivations than you or your boss, are you, Mike? I I, I wouldn't even think I'd have to suggest that. That's just a fact. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't want to suggest facts. We're just going to assume that people can see them because they're hitting them over the face. Yeah, exactly. Um, y- y- people have different agendas, and and you better be prepared for them. And if you don't know what that key message is, if you don't hold on to that, if you think you got to do 30 things, you're not going to get any of them done. If you think you know the one thing, you're much more likely to get that done. Let me just mention one other thing about requesting time. My general recommendation is 30 minutes. Maybe it only takes five or 10, lucky you, uh, and then you're giving them back time. 
Um, but it may be that with your most contentious, uh, the most contentious briefings, that you'll need the full 30 minutes. Um, and those people who say, I'm definitely going to read your slides in advance. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. Right. They're going to read your slides in front of you. And that's okay, just like they would if you were presenting in the actual presentation without having pre-wired or briefed them in advance. But what you do is you request time and you say, I'd like to walk you through my briefing or my slides, my deck. Um, in fact, if you only have three slides in 15 minutes, they'll say, this is some deck. Say, well, actually, that's my idea of a deck. It doesn't take very much. Uh, I, I'm clearly not in 15 minutes going to be just reading the slides. I'm using that as a backdrop to talk more broadly about why we should be doing the thing we're doing. Um, but you request 30 minutes. Um, it, you will use it far more often than you realize. And if you request 10 or 15 minutes, people just look askance at that. They think, eh. It, it can't be done. You're not going to actually be able to do that. And of course, if you have a 15 minute briefing, you can't brief somebody and get their input during 15 minute briefing. No, not at all. Okay, yeah. so so now you've got time. Now we I I tended to I, I meld in some of my comments the request time from the attendees and the briefing of the attendees. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Next step yeah. is is the actual do the briefing. Yeah, that's you got time on their calendars, and now you actually keep your appointment, and you go over and you you bring a copy of the slides. I never forget the guy who says, "Oh, I've already. I'm not taking copies of the slides. I already emailed them to him." <laughs> yeah, that we we deleted those about a week ago. Um, it made us feel better about our inbox being cleaned out on Friday when we went home. Um, yeah, you take a copy of your slides, and you say, "Look, I." Uh, 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 I'd like to walk you through the briefing. I'd love to get your input. I'd love to get your insights. Any places where you feel like I'm off or the things I can do, you can suggest it and make it more effective. I'd love to hear that. Both your perspective and anyone else's perspective you think is noticeably different uh, would be very, very helpful. Good. Okay. And then pretty straightforward. Things pretty change. Straightforward. Things change after that, right? You get additional oh, really? input. You make, you, is that you right? Make is that right? Yeah, and, there might be some changes, really? And, and you might want to tell your boss about it. Maybe. Nah, just go into the briefing with the new slides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I, I never even until you said that I never thought about that as a, as a joke. That would be wow, wouldn't that be interesting? Oh yeah, sorry, boss, I didn't tell you there were some curveballs, so I changed these. <laughs> yeah, that, that, wow, that, it'd be a great joke. It it happened once. It'd be it, the one joke. Yeah, it'd that, be, that's right. It'd be yeah. You you would be the punchline, so to speak. Um, so you go okay, back so and yes. brief your boss. Yeah, you started with the boss, you and with the boss say, look, I gave the briefing seven times. I don't know why I have to do this other than you say you're a manager tools fan, but whatever. I went and briefed him, and actually I learned a couple of things. I didn't realize that this guy's really got a tight budget this year, and yet we were going to ask him for money. So somebody else suggested, don't ask him, ask me, because I've actually got the budget. Seems weird to me, but I guess as long as we get the money. And the boss looks and goes, yeah, you think it matters who we ask as long as we get the money? Um so, yes, you rebrief your boss so that you and she are clear on what you're going to say, what the key message is, um, and, and that you're going to actually be able to deliver to the key message while not, while at the same time uh, achieving the possibility of no surprises, getting agreement, and going for that slam dunk. Good. All right. And then after you've rebriefed re your boss, you've spoken with all the other attendees, you're going to finalize your slides. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you something. I had somebody tell me, this is a long time ago, said, you've got those steps wrong, Mark. You should finalize your slides before you rebrief your boss. And I looked and I said, not if I'm your boss. <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on, right? You, you, you take back all the input. You say, here's now I, I've assimilated. Here's what I have as draft number two is my alpha or my beta, however you want to look at it. This is where I am. Let me walk you through it again. Let's see how we can improve it. And then once you've rebriefed that boss and, and he or she has given you their input, then you finalize your slides. And now you actually have your presentation. Good. Okay. And then. Now that you have a presentation, you have something that you can rehearse. The, the, yes. the one step that uh, I dare say probably the vast majority of folks do not do and at their oh. peril. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, people say to me all the time, I'm amazed that's the first time you gave that speech. I'm like, uh, not. <laughs> gave it seven <laughs> times on the way over here, by the way. Um, I, I will say this, though. The most untrue statement ever uttered 
in, in large organizations is I'd rather be playing golf. There can be nothing more untrue than that for an adult, for a, a free person in a modern society to say, I'd rather be doing something else. It's false. It's, it's patently false every time because if they really would rather be playing golf, which is usually how it, how it comes out, they would actually go play golf, but they're not. You know why? Because they've evaluated the costs and benefits of playing golf and they've discovered that while they would like to be playing golf, they would rather not like they would rather not like to be in trouble for playing golf. And so they decided the benefit of playing golf is far outweighed by the consequences of playing golf. And that's why they're not playing golf at the time, but they want to whine about it. The second most untrue thing ever said routinely in most organizations is, oh, I've rehearsed a bunch of times. <laughs> Everybody tells me they've rehearsed a bunch of times. I'm amazed. I walk by conference rooms where I know presentations happen all the time and no one is ever in there presenting. I don't, how, how, how can you, pre you, you know what people think of as rehearsing? Going over their slides in their mind. Folks, let me just be the first, I mean, call me a jerk. I don't care. If you're reading your own slides without saying it out loud, standing up and putting together full and complete sentences, following whatever language you or you normally speak in or your audience will understand, if you think that, 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 hearing your slides in your mind is actually rehearsing you're nuts that's not rehearsing that's you talking to yourself right so all you're doing is proving that there are three parts there are three presentations anybody always gives the one they want to give the one they actually give and the one they wish they'd given right and so so we're we're saying rehearsing is going to the room that you know the layout of where you're yes. going to do the presentation we're going to conduct the presentation taking your slides if you're going to use PowerPoint with the projector, taking a projector and yes. actually going through word for word your presentation using the, yes. the same materials you will use when you present it. Actually, as if there were people in the room. And I, my, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a true story about this. Uh, when I was in high school, I grew up in Los Angeles. My brother had friends in the entertainment industry. There were there was uh, one time my brother called me and said, look, I need you and 50 of your friends to dress up in coats and ties, but you can wear shorts if you want, coats and ties, and you gotta go to the sound stage in Hollywood and you gotta sit through a performance, a live performance by a performer. It happened to be John Denver, by the way. We didn't know who it would be until we got there. And we were all there in shorts and flip-flops and, and nice shirts and ties and, and coats. And the reason we were there is because this this presentation of his was going to be sliced, spliced into a a, a uh, an awards presentation and so the lights were on him the audience was dark and so we were essentially made to look like the hollywood stars that were actually at the event he never presented to the awards ceremony he presented to us and the tv shows things spliced. so then when i asked my brother why would anybody do that he's because that way they can sell more ads and that's how they make money and i went wow that's really cool and john denver showed up and presented to an audience that was and for all intents and purposes, the kind of rehearsal. I mean, we had to clap. He had to sing the song. It wasn't lip synced. There was a band behind him. That is what we're talking about in terms of rehearsal. You go to the place, there are people in the audience, and you actually go through the entire thing. Yeah, hmm. that's a rehearsal. Not saying your slides in your head or keeping... Somebody told me once, oh, I rehearse on the way to and from work. I said, how do you do that? Well, I just keep the slides on the on the seat next to me. I glance over and just think about what I'm going to say. Thinking about what you're going to say is not the th same thing as actually saying it. Rehearsal means dress rehearsal. That's what it means. Right. And if you want to go even a step further, you know, try recording it. You know, video co recorders oh. are cheap these days. Uh, boy, yeah. that. Oh, I I'll tell you, there, there are some firms out there that do fabulous work with video. And, and, and the reason they do video is it's just so powerful. Somebody who thinks, I'm a pretty good presenter, and then they see themselves in video, it's like, well, maybe I'm not that good. And the guy next to him says, oh, no, you're not just not that good. You're horrible. You did like 50 <laughs> things wrong. But but the great thing is you don't have to be a bad, you don't have to be a mean presenting coach. You just show them the videotape. And they're like, oh, okay, I stink. I'll, I'll work on it. And they you can get better really, really fast when you see yourself making mistakes. Yeah. Okay, so f full rehearsal. Yeah, what we're, yep. we're talking about. Yep, yep. Good. And then you present it, of course, which which is not one of our steps, but we assume that you're going to present it after doing all this, right? Now, you said earlier you had a couple additional remarks we wanted to add here. 
Yeah. We start out with really the ultimate additional remark is the slam dunk. That's what we want. We want the slam dunk. But we want the reason we put that in introductory comments is to have people thinking about it the entire preparatory time because a slam dunk, the feeling of a slam dunk happens at the end of the presentation, but a slam dunk actually is happens long before then. The two things that have to happen for a slam dunk to be possible is the goal of no surprises and then to get agreement. And too often what people think is, I just need to get agreement. And we add the no surprises because it's one thing to get agreement. But if you get four or five people with surprising you, throwing zingers at you, what they're telling you is they may not be completely motivated to follow the agreement that they've just agreed to. And you may, in fact, have what amounts to a Potemkin village of agreement where nobody's going to, there's nobody actually there and there's no energy to put around whatever initiative it is you're suggesting or budget cut or budget increase or strategic change it might be. So the goal is no surprises because if there are no surprises, if no one speaks up and challenges you or throws you a curveball and then you actually get agreement, then you have the raw material for a slam dunk. Um, it is both agreement and the lack of challenges that make it possible for a slam dunk. If you get those two things, plus you've done your work in advance, that then will feel like a slam dunk. But don't kid yourself. It's not just agreement. You must know everything so well that if, if one thing you left into your, left in your presentation was noticeably objectionable to somebody in the room, you have to have a way to overcome that objection because in all persuasion, one of the things any salesperson will tell you is when do you handle objection before it comes up? So don't let somebody throw you curveballs. Know where they're coming from. If you can't modify your point of view to keep them happy, if you can't uh, collaborate in a way, you can't compromise, then you have to be able to diffuse it in advance so that it's not a surprise when they disagree. It, you might actually say, it will be no surprise to any of you that Robert here disagrees with this point. We've talked about it. Here's where Robert comes down. Here's where I come down. Here's why I think we're okay with that. And then depending upon the situation of Robert, you may very well move on to the next point. Um, you may actually ask Robert, you may ask a question along the lines of, Robert, um, how strongly do you disagree with that? And then he says, not, not very. And you, oh, okay. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And that is essentially not a surprise as opposed to not knowing what Robert's going to say and then getting a curveball. Yeah. If you get no surprises and you get agreement from everybody, and it's not going to be there's a vote, but the but the GM or the senior director or the executive, your boss's boss, will look around and will assess the willingness of the audience to follow through. Um, and that is when you get agreement. Excellent. Okay. And, and you'll find getting agreement to be uh, much more likely if you do this pre-wire work than if you do not. Yeah. If you're a young manager, if you're a new manager and you go through this process, there are going to be some executives going, wow. She's sharp. She's dotting her eyes and going, man, I didn't learn that until I was a director or an executive director. So, yeah, this is a very powerful tool. Many people are using it. And if you're the only one not, it really makes you stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, my friend. I'm sure we'll have more to say about uh, persuasion and presentations at some point in the future. Um, Absolutely. So, more to come. Thanks, yep. my friend. My pleasure, sir. We'll see you later. Well, that's it. As always, thanks for taking that special step in becoming a registered member here on Manager Tools. We always appreciate your demonstration of trust and hope that you find these additional member-only cast a useful addition to your management audio library. Management audio library. I like that. Anyways, as always, we love hearing from you, so hope to see you on the discussion forums. www.managertools.com forward slash forums. So, until next time... So long.